Howdy on a serendipitous Saturday. And wait, wait, it's it's Friday. Yeah, it's it's Friday. Not that I can tell the difference. But just hello to everyone out there and hope you're enjoying this splendid day. Woke up at 9 a.m., which is pretty freaking incredible. Uh, we're rather proud. Don't want to brag about it, but I'm going to because this is this is like you getting up at 2.45 a.m. to start your day to like work out and get some work done before you go to work at 8 a.m. This is what I'm doing right now. Granted, it was because I had a buddy come over who I needed to pay to set up my washer dryer because I'm not equipped to uh, do those kind of tasks. So uh, thank you, Luke. Much appreciated. And now I have a fully functioning washer dryer, which is pretty pretty big step for me even though I am 34 years old but for the last 16 years I've had my laundry sent out and done and folded and I think it's a college it's a college company called uh, Busy Bodies and I think I'm their longest standing customer by at least a decade because it's mostly for college kids or I think it's predominantly or I think completely for college kids so no big deal I'm just the record holder and had a good relationship with the owners and, you know, we kind of just talked a bunch and it's been a fun ride, but you know, you got to grow up sometime. And I guess doing laundry myself will be one of those giant step forward. I'm basically the Neil Armstrong of adulthood, except I'm going slightly slower and it's a little less impressive, but it's close. I'm like the Buzz Aldrin. I'm basically Buzz Aldrin. So I'm the second guy on the moon because I can do my own laundry. Oh, I haven't done it yet. My girlfriend's going to come over sometime this weekend and show me how to do it and like separate colors or make sure certain things don't bleed or certain different kind of washes. There's specific dryer times, I'm sure. I'm going to screw it up and uh, shrink some stuff. But all learning process, all very exciting. You know, I mean, this is uh, uncharted territory for me. So this is my Indiana Jones exploration into you know, my 30s and 40s. So buckle up. I will definitely have some stories. And kind of crazy that I slept well last night because I started the show Hannibal. And don't know if anyone's seen it, but it was a show on NBC about Hannibal Lecter, you know, the cannibal serial killer. And he's teamed up with some, with the behavioral analysis uh, crew of the FBI and like, you know, solving murders, procedural, but it's, crazy gory and crazy well shot like it looks like it should be on hbo or showtime it's got a dexter kind of feel to it just lots of blood and lots of gross stuff and usually if i watch something kind of jarring or croning bird gross before bed i kind of i have trouble getting to sleep and also i have nightmares about that kind of visceral real bubbling pulsating pussing kind of vibe like in the second episode that i watched this one serial killer was growing mushrooms out of uh, the dead bodies that he was putting into the ground. And they showed the bodies for like a long time. It was like 25 out of the 45 minutes. You were just looking at these bodies overtaken by mushrooms. And it's like, ah, no, thank you. But oddly slept really well. So maybe I'm getting past it or maybe I'm just desensitized by all the stuff I watch. So maybe I should watch. I've been putting aliens off for a long time because alien freaked the ever living heck out of me i mean that is one of the scariest movies ever i don't want phallic slimy alien babies popping out of my chest and 
face hugger stuff, you know, and just jumping out of wet eggs. Like even when Rick and Morty as a cartoon uh, kind of made fun of it, even looking at those face huggers and those aliens, I was like, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to think about this for a while. It's going to bother me. But fortunately that's not what I'm talking about today. Today I am talking about a show that my friend Rose loves dearly. Hi Rose. And thank you for the suggestion that I also love probably more than 98% of the shows I've watched. I think I've seen it all the way through at least 15, 16 times. I think I saw it like three or four times all the way through when uh, I think I was 27. I had a bad breakup and I slept on the couch for like two months and I would go to sleep to this show because it just had a very comforting tone of voice and tonality and kind of, it felt like a unique place that was nowhere near where I was. And I don't know, something about it was like, it was like an adult lullaby. So I had this constantly on the background for a little while. So I'm not sure if that helped or hurt, but got over it eventually. So uh, here now. And so I am here to talk about the incredible FX show that went from 2010 to 2015. It had six seasons, 78 episodes. Do you know what it is? I mean, I kind of gave it away a little bit with my intro. That's what I'm trying to do. I want to give the the opening intro, I want to have a little nudge to what I'm talking about. You got to pick it up. You know what I mean? I want to keep you guessing. Do you have any idea? Am I stalling? Is it, am I, am I stalling too much? Are you getting annoyed? Good. Because I want to make you wait. I want the anticipation to just kill you until you can't take it. Like you're looking at IMDb right now. It's like, what's it? What was six seasons? 78 episodes. I don't, I don't know. What could it be? Is it cartoons? Is it an action movie? I mean, is it an action uh, show? Was it on? I mean, what was it on? Was it on FX? Yeah, it was on FX, actually. Oh, what's, what was on FX? Uh, Nip Tuck, Devs, Legion, uh, Atlanta. What are we talking about? Nope. We were talking about the classic uh, U.S. Marshall show known as Justified. There you go. There's the release. There's the tension, and there's the release. You got it. Was it worth it? You want to stick with it? Should I stop? Should I stop annoying you? <laughs> I probably should. I like to beat some jokes into the ground once in a while. And once in a while, I mean, people around me are just like, okay, you've said that joke about four times too many. But it, for me, it just gets funnier and funnier. So I'm here to amuse me first <laughs> and you second, third or fourth, whatever. Actually, I'm here to entertain myself first, second and third. So you're like fourth or fifth place. And plus, my dogs like to listen to this. So you're fifth place. But anyways, Justified was just this fantastic, underrated show that has a very cult following, but it didn't hit as mainstream as it should have because it is a top 10 show of all time, I believe. I mean, it's, an, it's based on an Elmore Leonard character. And if you're not familiar with Elmore Leonard, drop everything, go to your bookstore, and you need to buy some of his books right now because he is the best criminal dialogue writer maybe ever. Uh, some movies that you've seen that were based on his uh, characters were Get Shorty and Out of Sight. Both just, he just has a way of everyone, all the characters that are in the criminal world, they're unique, they're profound. They have this kind of, everyone has a, their own philosophy about life. And it's just, it's, he doesn't seem to be, you know, he doesn't adhere to just the cops are the good guys or that you should root for the bad guys. He gives you everyone's perspective and he doesn't, he doesn't 
really takes sides. He lets you choose who you're, you're following. And in this show, he follows Raylan Givens, which is based on a short story called Fire in the Hole. And I think he wrote a bunch of books about Raylan too. He's kind of like a Jack Reacher, Jack Ryan, you know, his central character in a lot of adventures because Raylan is a U.S. Marshal. And this takes place, you know, in real time. This is, took place during 2010 to 2015. And he's the fastest gun in pretty much all of law enforcement. And he's from Kentucky and kind of an old school, has a 10-gallon cowboy hat, has all these different kind of old school sayings. I mean, he's just like, he'll, he'll throw a bullet at someone to threaten them. He'll just take it out of the gun and put it at him. And he goes, the next one's coming faster. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, that is, that is just classic gunslinger in a new era kind of, kind of stuff. And that's the magic of Elmore Leonard's uh, dialogue. I think they use a lot of his quotes and he's kind of pitted against uh, his old coal digging buddy. They dug coal together. Uh, when they were teenagers, Boyd Crowder pay, played to perfection by Walter Goggins, who's this kind of neo-Nazi preacher, well-spoken, over-articulate kind of leader of the underworld. He kind of he can kind of get people around him, and he likes blowing up stuff because you know he's an explosive ap- expert from the coal mines, and he's just. Kentucky through and through and just kind of wants to take over the criminal underworld of his little corner of the world. And Raylan uh, wanted to get as far out of Harlan County, Kentucky as possible and ended up being a U.S. Marshal in Miami. But he shoots and kills a drug lord who pulls on him and they have to transfer him back to his hometown, which he is clearly not happy about. And my God, the bench on this show. I mean, there are probably 25, 30 characters that I just loved. And I think that's the magic of Elmore Leonard. He gives everyone attention, like even character arcs that last one season. You can feel for, you know, this uh, old uh, prison inmate that escapes by accident and wants to find his old wife of 20 years and dig up some money. And he's a banjo player. And you're like, you know what? I like this guy. And so does Raylan kind of. Raylan is kind of indifferent to who he likes and doesn't like when it comes to criminals or uh, law enforcement. It's just who treats him right and is respectful of kind of who he is. And you like that. Raylan's like a straight, he's a straight shooter. He's, he's very goody good. Like he doesn't bend the rules for anybody, but he's just a hard ass too. So he's just, he kind of goes by the rules so strictly. And he also, I mean, just a little touches, Timothy Oliphant who plays him, just, first of all, I mean, one of the most handsome men on the face of the earth. My God, man's chiseled out of marble and gold and diamonds and platinum and rubies and sapphires. And now I'm just naming gemstones, but you get the point. Just a great looking guy. I mean, you might know him from The Office. He had a small role as Danny Cordray, a salesman from Osprey Paper. He also he had a lot of little roles. He was in Go, great rave movie, as a drug dealer who made out with Katie Holmes on a staircase. One of my fantasies, by the way, when I was a kid, make out with Katie Holmes on a staircase. Shout out Dawson's Creek. And he was in the cop and gone in 60 seconds, like the second cop, Delroy Lyndon, who has been in everything. You know, he's usually the elder black cop. Uh, those two were chasing Nicolas Cage around and did a great job doing it. And he was the bad guy in Die Hard 4. Kind of a underrated role because the movie sucked, but he was great. And this is really where he gets the chance to shine because he is just 
he's in that Brad Pitt camp where he, if he's just an overconfident, angry dude, it just fits his personality and what he looks like. It's like he's acting in the show as you imagine someone who looked like him would act. And he's the only guy that can pull off a 10-gallon cowboy hat. I mean, especially, you know, in the 2010s. And he drinks nothing but bourbon and, you know, sometimes drinks on the job, but he's never excessively drunk or anything like that. Just seems like alcohol is just, well, not alcohol, but bourbon because, you know, they're in Kentucky, the home of bourbon. That, that's all anyone drinks. And it kind of gives you a real feeling of time and place, that this is kind of a place that maybe it's 40, 50 years behind everyone else. And there's still tradition. And, you know, he sees like bluegrass bands and everyone's drinking butt heavies and just confederate flags are kind of all around and the mafia is kind of still old school the dixie mafia and it's just you feel this world is lived in and it's just someplace you want to visit and oh my god i mean the the uh best the intro song is like the best intro song ever it's this like country white boy rap kind of uncle cracker bubba sparks kind of flavor to it and I'd always sing along. I'd never miss it, even though, you know, usually you hit skip. You're just like, I want to get to the show. But they were smart. They kept it like under a minute. So it's not like, it's not a big commitment. You know, when you have a three to four minute intro, you're like, okay, I've had enough of this, no matter how much you love the show. And so uh, Rayland's reassigned to Harlan County, Kentucky. And there's kind of this opioid crisis. The Dixie Mafia is, you know, selling all these pills. And it's kind of killing the town and there's all there's this kind of rotation of bad guys it's a procedural show like he finds different uh kind of one episode arcs for people he has to bring back in because as a u.s marshal you chase fugitives so it's a great procedural in that sense and like for example there's like nurses harvesting harvesting kidneys hitmen from other cities hicks selling pills in town and then there's an overarching big bad every season and, you know, kind of just a more fleshed out character. First season, it's, you know, Boyd Crowder, this uh, maniacal, well-spoken leader of white supremacists, and also Boyd's dad, Bo, who kind of runs the drug trade. In season two, it's Mags Bennett, this elder woman played by Margot Martindale, who has a family kind of pot, uh, has a pot business that kind of runs the town. Season three, my favorite, uh, Robert Quarles. It's this bleach blonde uh, kind of big shot guy from the Detroit mob. as uh, played by Neil McDonough. And, I mean, he's just like a Bond villain. He has a gun that's secretly held in his shirt sleeve that is based on a Christmas tree track. So it's like when he flicks his wrist, the little gun comes out and he just shoots him. And he falls. I mean, he gets addicted to pills. I, mean, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but... He's the craziest character I think I've seen on TV. He just like, he's, first of all, he went to the University of Michigan, so go blue. And he has kind of a business sense of how to kind of modernize this area of the town. But he's also, he's also been banned from uh, Detroit because he himself was kind of abused by his dad sexually and like passed around by his friends to fund his dad's uh pill habit which is i mean that's just that's rough stuff that's a rough way to grow up so of course he's crazy and he ends up killing uh other male uh prostitutes in town in detroit you know because he's ashamed because he has a family and kids too 
and just a complicated character. And that's the kind of stuff you get from uh, Elmore Leonard. He's just, you get these characters that you remember forever. And his boss, Theo Tonin, who runs the uh, Detroit Mafia, is kind of the bad guy all throughout. And they're trying to nail him. You know, he's kind of the Corleone family, you know, the Tonin family of the show. And you kind of get him in little spurts. And eventually, you know, by season six, they're going after him. And then there's this Crow family that is this Florida kind of panhandling, grifting family. And he has to deal with them in season five, you know, because there's a murder. You know what a a group of crows is? It's a murder of crows. So I think that was the whole thing with that. It's a cool cool term. Although I've learned that every animal has kind of a unique uh, group of collections, like a gaggle of geese or a pod of whales there's always some weird term they're just i think they just do it to make themselves laugh those zoologists those crazy guys and girls and finally you know season six too boyd has kind of boyd crowder has kind of been the big wig bad guy and finally Braylon's got to try to take his buddy down and so there's just complex stories like there's it's good to watch them one you can watch one without really having to know the whole story but at the same time, each episode builds on each other. And like I said, the dialogue, everyone's just straight shooting, smartest guy in the room, clever, but like kind of these short quips that are kind of profound. Like Raylan would say, like, dead owls don't, me and dead owls don't give a hoot. And I just love stuff like that in a, in a Kentucky accent too. So, I mean, it's just charming. And that's why I like to go to bed to it sometimes because it's almost that Southern drawl, that mid, that mid-northerner southern drawl is just kind of rhythmic and melodic and i don't know it just puts me to sleep maybe it's just me maybe it's just asmr for max sanders but i love it and he just says cool like he pulls his gun probably more than any other cop i've ever seen in a show probably murders 75 100 people throughout the show and he'll say things like you make me pull i'll put you down like just clint eastwood-esque kind of stuff that's just spitting out of his mouth and it's cool he his body language too is just so confident i mean you have to be to wear a 10 gallon hat and just shoot everyone on sight basically but when he points at you he doesn't point with like the the index finger as normal people do he puts his index finger and thumb in a circle kind of like he's about to say like okay when it's uh vertical but he puts it horizontal and points at you with his bottom three fingers and kind of as he's talking the rhythm of his voice is with the finger pointing and i just there's something authoritative about that because it's just those three fingers are pointing like very flexed at you. And I try to incorporate it into my life and it's definitely helped me feel more, more confident throughout the years. So yeah, I grift from random 2010 cop shows to make myself feel more confident when I talk in person. So there, and there's love triangles like Boyd and uh, Raylan date the same girl, Ava uh, uh, during different times of the show and Ava sometimes is an informant or sometimes is trying to run uh, the underground world with Boyd. Sometimes they're trying to get out. Sometimes Boyd, uh, like Boyd found religion for an entire season and, you know, tried to get out. And I mean, they focused on him. It wasn't like he was a side character. They showed he legitimately didn't want to live a life of crime ever again, but he kind of got pulled back in by forces that were out of his control. So, like I said, they don't really take sides. They kind of give you everyone, uh, they give everyone a fair shake and you kind of get to decide who you're going to root for and who you're not. And I just love that. You know what I mean? Just 
because I mean, some shows just make it so you know one side of the story. This this one, you know, all the sides and you know all the characters. My God, there's whoever did the casting for this show. It's like there's Tim Gunderson, who's Raylan, one of Raylan's partners, who's a former Army Ranger sniper with PTSD, and he has great little subplots, kind of about his troubles in his life and. He has battles with other uh, former vets who are on the other side of the law. So that's really interesting. There's Rachel Brooks, who's another one of Raylan's partners. That's, you know, this short little Tennessee uh, black woman who's a U.S. Marshal and kind of has to prove herself at all points. And is just an ultimate badass because she has to, you know, show people she's not this five foot two, very pretty young woman. She's also, you know, someone to be reckoned with. And I mean, just great names of people. Like there's Fletcher Nix, the ice pick killer, just random one episode. There's a weed dealer from Memphis called Hot Rod Dunham. Uh, Boyd has a cousin named Johnny who's trying to take away power from him and they're working together, but also planning against each other. And that's always a subplot for like a season or two. Or Raylan has a buddy, Patton Oswald, the comedian, who is uh, Constable Bob, who's, who couldn't make it on the police force, but ran for constable. And you can tell he's been pushed around his whole life because, you know, he looks like an overweight dwarf. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, you've seen uh, Patton Oswald. He's got no, there's no intimidation to him. He's not like a big dude or anything like that. And he's got no, there's no reason he should be in law enforcement, but he's got this dogged determination and you end up rooting for him. And he kicks some butt in some of the seasons. And he also, when he says goodbye to people, he says, stay frosty. And it's like, Patton Oswald, you would say stuff like that. So I will stay frosty. I even say that once in a while now. So, and I mean like just characters from all walks of life. Like there's this area called Nobles Holler in, uh, in Harlan County where African-Americans took over the land 150 years ago and they're just trying to protect what's theirs. And their main guy, Elson Limehouse, is this badass butcher who's always covered in blood and has, you know, a knife or something. So he always looks very intimidating and he pays for information, so he knows everything going on in the town. He tries to play the law and criminals against each other for his own profit. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But just very intimidating, fun stuff. And I just thoroughly enjoyed that. And he looks like the guy who played Bubba Gump, but I don't think he played Bubba Gump. I think he's the black cop from Heat, I believe. Not 100% sure, but... Yeah, no, he did play Bubba Gump, all right. And he played Baby O on, in Con Air. He was the guy who was diabetic. He's like, I need my insulin. So he's, he's done a lot of stuff, but this one is just scary as all hell. And there's snake handling churches. And I mean, just, it, I feel like I know this place, even though, I mean, I don't know if uh, Elmore Leonard was ever from Kentucky or Graham Yost, who the, the guy who directed the show was from it, but whoever did the research or ever made stuff up, it just feels, it's this world that I have no familiarity with and you know, there's moonshiners and there's just, there's a sense of community and it's a sense of a dying kind of uh, way of life. And there's something just mythical about that. I just love it. And it's just, it's just one of my favorite shows. I mean, like I said, the main thing, the thing that makes it the best is the dialogue and that, I mean, for one example, Raylan, uh, He's trying to tell a comedian, uh, not comedian. <laughs> uh, although I think there's probably one stand-up comedian somewhere throughout this show. I'd have to think about it. But there's one criminal who keeps complaining about everyone's, you know, messing with him. 
And Braylon goes, it's like, you wake up in the morning and you run into an asshole. He's an asshole. You run into assholes all day. Guess what? You're the asshole. And I'm just like, you know what? That's profound hick cop uh, uh, sayings. And I just, you know, you take that towards your life. Like if, if uh, in the morning I get a coffee and I'm like, oh, screw the guy who gave it to me. He was just being mean. And then during my first meeting, I'm like, oh, my boss sucks. He's just being a jerk. And I'm like, wait a second. That's more than one asshole. I'm being the asshole. So thank you, Raylan. You know, definitely apply those to my life. And I mean, the criminals too. I mean, Boyd is just the most verbose, uh, well-spoken guy. He just has a thesaurus at his disposal at all times. He's got these big pearly white teeth and these spiky black hair. And he's kind of thin and skeletal looking and very intimidating, but in kind of a smiling joker. Of course, I just did a Joker podcast yesterday, but kind of a Heath Ledger Joker smiling, laughing maniacally in an intimidating way. And someone said it perfectly. Uh, another mafia boss says, it's like, so impressive. It's like, you always use 40 words when four would do. And that's the definition of Boy Crowder. He just, he likes to spin a yarn and convince people with his words. And if he doesn't, if he doesn't convince you, he's going to use explosives or he's going to use a bazooka or he's going to use a gun. He's going to use anything at his disposal to get what he wants because he doesn't care. And one of my favorite lines from him, he goes, a man who talks out of both sides of his mouth deserves to have it shut permanently. And his wife at the time, Ava, goes, who said that? He goes, boy, Crowder. Just walks out of the room. You're like, oh, you guys are cool. Everyone's cool. And there's this whole season subplot about a uh, FBI informant that is disappeared and has been living secretly in Harlan for 30 years. And that, that was a fun twist. I never really, and it was definitely one of the characters you knew. So you're like, who is it? Who am I looking for? And you kept guessing to the last moment. And the show, the show ties the beginning and end really well. Like it wraps up all the storylines with their connections with different mafia groups, uh, with different drug trades. And in the end, it's kind of a, it's Boyd versus Raylan and that's kind of how it starts and that's how it ends. And it's just so fun that they're buddies that kind of talk to each other and have a mutual respect, but also hate the living guts out of each other and are just each other's foil to the nth degree. And they also know each other to a T. I mean, it's like, it's almost like heat, you know, with Pacino and De Niro, just knowing who the other character is inside and out. And they dug coal together and there's some, there's a bond there. And, you know, I mean, if, Someone's going to have to take the other one down. It's going to be them. And if that's not, you know, American cop country, U.S., make you feel proud to be in the red, white, and blue, I don't know what it is. So go see this show. Rose, watch the show again. Dad, I know you haven't watched the show, so I'm going to say watch it. And everyone else, just give it a whirl. Except my friend John Smith, who said he didn't like it and is dead to me now. You hear that, John? You're dead to me. Because this is a great show, and he's wrong, and I'm right. And I'm signing off with that because I am right, and I got nothing else to say.